Spags, we are entering the dog days of the fantasy football offseason. How can we keep our audience's attention? Oh, I thought you were going to keep going there, but that's how <laughs> we're going to do it. A little bit of suspense because people, you, the person watching this right now on YouTube, you need to watch because we're going to talk about an XFL-NFL partnership, the USFL draft, and we're even going to dig into team futures. Who's going to win Super Bowl 2023? Pete and I know, and we're going to tell you right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing on this fine President's Day? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, this is the tables have turned because normally I'm the one kind of uh, slacking and it's my wife who has to work. And today I'm the one who's working uh, and she's the one that has the day off. So, yeah, I did a fantasy life newsletter doing Splash Play. Feels like the uh, the good old days of the season. I like that you didn't go so far as to say she's slacking, though, to be clear. You got to watch your word choice with that one. No, no, no. She's, uh, you know, she's always doing something, you know? Aren't they all? Am I right, fellas out there? But hey, if you're watching this live right now on Peach channel or the Splash Play channel, or if you're watching it after the fact, make sure you hit the like button. It does help us out a bunch. Helps us fight the YouTube algorithm. That's always important for content creators to stay ahead of the curve with. So that's why when you hear people asking for a like, that's what it means. It helps us keep our livelihood going. I sound robot-y. Pete is saying, let me see if I could fuck with the audio here. But I'll keep doing plugs anyway, because the important thing is that no matter how I sound, we do have great deals going on over at Football Outsiders. The one dollar a week deal has ended hopefully i sound better now but you can still go over there to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and get yourself a place in line for all the exciting stuff going on data at your fingertips dvoa and i sound fantastic pete's telling me so i'm doing great you could be doing great too if you go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe because at football outsiders the football never stops pete and uh speaking of football never stopping what did you write up in the newsletter today i know but the people out there maybe they're curious uh, yeah, it's funny because in during the season, I was writing it uh, every day. So it was kind of easier to, you know, check on what you miss. It was just like whatever happened since, you know, 2 p.m. Uh, the following day, whereas now uh, we're going to a Monday, Thursday schedule for the newsletter. So I actually have to scroll back through a bunch of posts to figure out uh, if anything has happened. Uh, I would say the big stuff, and I know we're going to talk about it, was, you know, Brian Flores getting hired uh, with the Steelers, although maybe not quite in as uh, prestigious of a role as we would have hoped. Uh, some rumors on kind of the Texans just really blowing things up with trades and moves this offseason. And what was the other thing? Oh, there's this quote going around from uh, Green Bay uh, beat reporter about how Rogers playing conservative to kind of enhance his own, you know, interception rates is actually hurting the team, which it's also just a funny thing. We were talking about last week, how it's like the second thing seems smoothed over with the Packers and Rogers that someone goes and just kicks up some more dirt to get them all fighting again. Yeah, we are firmly believers here. As we talked about in last week's shows, it looked like Aaron Rodgers. The odds were favoring him going back to Green Bay. Then they hire his favorite, or it was one of his favorite coaches, but his uh, rookie QB coach that came back into tow after being retired for a few years. Um, it just seems like sometimes the Green Bay Packers media and a lot of the media out there just have to fill the headlines somehow. And I guess that's how they do that is hot taking their way, hopefully to a, a Fox Sports show. I don't know what that is, but let's talk about the Brian Flores thing, Pete, that you mentioned, because that is a big one. Um, you know, he did get hired as the Steelers 
Steelers linebackers coach and defensive assistant. Um, the quote that came out from the Steelers was from uh, head coach Mike Tomlin. I'm excited about Brian Flores joining our coaching staff, given his history of developing and teaching defensive players during his time in the NFL. Brian's resume speaks for itself, and I look forward to him adding his expertise to help our team. And Pete, I feel like this is one thing where Mike Tomlin, one of few head coaches of color who've been able to keep his job over the course of time, feels like maybe him giving a little bit of a life raft while also continuing to give, you know, Flores, a guy who's a good coach, a chance to help this, you know, Steelers team that defensively was not that great last year, certainly was not a hearkening back to the Blitzburg name that people have grown to love about them. But it feels like this one, Pete, to me, I think kind of a life raft hire, but also probably good to keep Ryan Flores in the news and, and actually active in the coaching community. Yeah, I'm, you know, you I would have thought, you know, a lot of times we'll see NFL coaches, you know, go from, you know, they try it out at head coach and then go back to coordinator. Uh, and I guess it seems like a little bit of a bummer that Flores wasn't able to get a, you know, offensive or defensive coordinator position somewhere. Like when you read the title for this hire, it seemed like such a random uh, spot. It's like what assistant defensive specialist and linebackers coach or something. So I don't know, but it is good to see that, you know, he's still willing to be in the mix. I mean, not to continue to make the analogies to Colin Kaepernick, um, but, you know, Brian Flores being I probably in a way swallowing his pride, right. To take a job that is this much of, you know, a relative to uh, demotion to being a head coach. So I'm glad that he's willing to be in the mix. Obviously I think the Steelers is a good fit for him and and hopefully this will allow him to continue to kind of have a platform to talk about you know the stuff that went on in the hiring practices and hopefully you know give him the springboard to land another head coaching job because I, I do think he's deserving of it yeah and he definitely you know not the kind of coach who would seem like should have gone without a job in this hiring cycle it happened um now he does keep you know his talents in the league in a realistic way and Nick saying that uh, there's realistic chance he specifically wanted to work with Tomlin uh, regardless of the position I think that's also a decent way to look at it as well given again Mike Tomlin is one of these guys who's you know really probably has to take on a bigger platform for himself for these younger black coaches and, and do the best I'm sure he's doing the best he can behind the scenes maybe now publicly has to take on more of a public face of a coach who's you know gone through the system and come out the better for it or at least seemingly would do so Pete but I feel like overall it is a good mix and certainly one where if you are a you know a coach of color out there probably feels good to have these two guys working together maybe actually making change on a meaningful level yeah no I think and yeah that is a very good point by Nick that you know at the end of the day too you want to go you know, he probably felt like he was leaving a, a toxic work environment, you know, with his relationship with the owner and just how he was kind of perceived there. So to go and work with someone I assume he considers a friend or a mentor, I think probably has to feel pretty refreshing for him. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Nick, and shouldn't discount, uh, you know, people's uh, desire to work with people they like and feel respected by. Um, one other big news item that floated out today, I saw it's covered on SI, and I think came out from Sports Business Journal over the weekend. There are rumors that Amazon wants a Black Friday game as part of the new NFL package that they're bidding for. Uh, from Sports Business Journal, Amazon has made a bit of, a little bit of a noise about scheduling a game on Black Friday. A Black Friday game would complement Amazon's e-commerce business. It would be similar to the Premier League strategy it has in Britain, where it carries all the league's Boxing Day games. But this store may be closed. The NFL has been lukewarm to the idea. Pete, I feel like this is one thing where the NFL wants to continue trying out these new time slots for games, you know, definitely embracing different spots of real estate that weren't there when we were kids, certainly not when our parents were kids. I feel like this one here, Black Friday games on Amazon, where they're also hockey products, probably annoying. Probably it's another spot where the Jags would be playing. Uh, but great for our LaVisca Chanel best ball shares. But I feel like overall, it's a great idea that probably they need to do, especially if Amazon's willing to give them a, you know, 500 mil a year for it. Yeah, I, I actually like it. I'm with Willis here saying Black Friday game would be awesome, uh, especially during that, 
you know, Thanksgiving stretch, right? Because everyone's off anyways. And I, I know at least for the Thursday games, right? Like everyone has to go over to their families. I can't be sitting on my laptop, you know, building showdown lineups all day on Thanksgiving, but having a Black Friday game when nothing's going on, like that sounds like quintessential showdown season for NFL games. So I would love a, a random NFL game on a Friday when none of us are working. That sounds like a blast. What tier of game are you thinking though? Like, are we talking that he can get away with being the London 9:30 a.m. game level of quality, or do we need like a team on the rise? Let's say I'm trying to think, like, I don't know, or at least like a Niners tier, like a team that's probably you know very likely to make the playoffs, but not as a high seed. Like, what level of engagement do you need for it to, to really buy in fully on a Black Friday game? I mean, that's the beauty of showdown, right? And gambling and sports betting and pickups is that uh, it doesn't really matter, you know that playing showdown really frees you from caring about the overall matchup. Like I would just go and run the Sims on those gross games and run it as if the score would be 10 to seven. And I would get a perverse pleasure in knowing I'm building lineups that are, you know, engineered for a shitty game. So that's why I love fantasy. But to your point for a more broad appeal, yeah, they, they probably want to get at least a, a mid tier team in there and be a slightly higher quality than what they ship over to London every year, which is something I don't tend to get up for. I guess the time of that game would be interesting too, because that's the thing about the London game when it's super early and shitty teams, then I think people check out. But if we have like a nice afternoon or early evening game, I, I think everyone will, will pull up like they normally would. Okay, so let's say East Coast time will go because now Pete and I, unfortunately for me, we're both East Coast boys now, so I'm not going to think about the West Coast at all. But I guess still the West Coast can. This is a decent time for them. How about a, either 12 p.m., 1 p.m. East Coast start time for this game? And here's a tier of team I'm thinking, Pete. I'm thinking a, a team that could be a little better next year, but maybe still mostly in the middle of the pack. Minnesota Vikings versus the New Orleans Saints. Who's saying no to a 12 or 1 o'clock Black Friday game between the Vikings and the Saints? I wouldn't say no to that one. Um, you know, the Vikings have shown a propensity for finding themselves in shootouts. That would be a dome game, regardless of where it is. That should be on the on the fast track there. Maybe New Orleans has figured out their quarterback situation by then. I think we get a nice little, you know, 27-24 game. Black Friday remains an institution in the NFL industrial complex. I like that we've now thought about how the actual the game would work out too. It's like the 27-4 high scoring, but not too high scoring because you don't want to get greedy about it. Yeah, and like Alex said, it could literally be any two teams at any time of the day, and I would still be excited. I mean, this is the beauty of of action. Uh, you know, without action, I would not care about any NFL game. But uh, we have all of our uh, beautiful fantasy players, and that's uh, that's all that matters. I also like the idea of it being the Vikings too, because it's like, oh, the other NFC North teams get Thanksgiving, then the Vikings show up on Friday with their, you know, honestly, maybe a more exciting team too. You have Justin Jefferson grown into his skin. Uh, KJ Osborne, you know, being the new Adam Thielen, I think is what I'm hoping based on the best ball exposures we have so far. But I feel like overall, like that would be fun to me too, narratively, if it's like the Vikings or the Black Friday team, that the Bears and the Lions and whatever, they can have Thanksgiving Day, which is overrated anyway. Like that's a that's a really avant-garde kind of new, new head coach kind of hire uh, spot for the Vikings to be in. Um, USFL draft, Pete, this is kind of a, a complicated one. And I have a lot of notes here. Have you seen, I think you have seen actually, right? Yeah. The USFL and what they're doing. Yeah. The way where it's by a uh, position and not just like mm -hmm. an overall, uh, snake draft. So they are, I'm going to read this and there's a lot of news items here, but we are the, uh, well, the unofficial home of the, of the USFL, right? Pete, we have not, we have not been crowned the official home. So I feel like we should just go with the branding that we are the unofficial home of the USFL. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, 
there we're starting everyone's starting to get more and more excited i saw levitan have a tweet that he's uh almost a full 3.9 uh inches hard uh for this league as we continue to get more nuggets so yeah i'm happy to cement ourselves as the unofficial official usfl home I know Levitan's one of your buddies. I only know him on the podcast level, being a fan of his old DraftKings podcast we talked about when we had Smiz on the show. Uh, he, Peter Jennings, and Levitan used to do a great show uh, called the DFS Edge on DraftKings. But I feel like Levitan's really found a lane for himself where he could talk like awkwardly about sex stuff while still talking <laughs> about fantasy football. And that's one that not a lot of people do in that, that bit, Pete. Uh, yes, he, he is able to get away from it. There, there's been a few times I've been listening to a solo pod where he'll read a question that he got from a listener. And I'm like saying to myself, as I'm listening to it, don't answer this question, Adam, I'm telling you, don't answer this question. And then he, he walks right up to the line and then it's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't answer this question. I was like, good job. So yeah, he, he knows where the line is and, uh, he walks it well. Yeah, so that, that kudos to him out there. Maybe we'll get him on this, this show of ours at some point. But the USFL, they're going to be drafting 450 to 500 players who have already signed contracts with the USFL. And here's the weird thing, Pete. The USFL announced they would not be disclosing the list of available players beforehand. So I don't know. I presume that means to us as the public, but this is the way it was phrased in the, the press release they put out, that they're not disclosing the list beforehand. Do we think it's possible they're just like telling the teams, like, all right, there's going to be 40, like, 40 to 50, 500 players. You're not going to know a single one. Because like, that would be the ultimate reality show that i would pay to watch that would be that would be wild uh and i wonder yeah what if they have any because I, I know a bunch of the fantasy providers and justin was tweeting it out for kind of the run the sims optimizer he was putting together of like do we have any kind of player pool that we know so yeah it is a, a bit of a mystery box right now and uh it's exciting because we think of the guys who became uh you know household names from the xfl like donald parham and uh it's exciting to know who this uh next batch of uh, players is going to be. I will say based on the, the AFL or the AAF rather. And then the XFL, I, <laughs> Derek, of course, Malden mass well represented here as always on splash play. Um, I do think jock Patrick, I, I would say is a shoe in to be in the USFL. Like I would put a thousand to one odds on, jo on jock Patrick being one of the running backs. of was probably a staple of the USFL. Yeah, well, the other thing, though, too, is uh, there's even some rumors today about the XFL uh, getting back up and going, too. So do you think some of these XFL guys might have an allegiance to that old league? You know, are, are these two leagues going to be competing? Uh, you would think from the same player pool here. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what familiar faces we see popping up again. You can see the teams on the screen there. Here's actually the draft order for the USFL draft before we talk about the minutiae of the draft itself. But the Michigan Panthers, uh, Jeff Fisher getting the number one overall pick. Tampa Bay Badnets going number two. Philadelphia Stars, number three. And the New Jersey Generals, number four. The Houston Gamblers, who I think are my favorite branded team, at number five in the USFL draft. Number six, the Birmingham Stallions. Number seven, the Pittsburgh Maulers. And number eight, the New Orleans Breakers. Pete, you've seen more of these teams popping up on your social media timelines now. Have you developed an affinity for any of them? Um, I mean, I still, the Houston gamblers, you know, that that's the funnest, uh, name. Uh, I have positive associations with the Houston roughnecks, uh, the XFL team. So yeah, that's still the team. Uh, I think sounds the most fun to root for. I am coming around on the Tampa Bay bandits. I like the alliteration. Um, it sounds pretty slick there. Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be good. Uh, I I'm excited to see too what kind of, I feel like there's a bunch of potential from the league for content as far as all of the teams being in Birmingham. Um, and I actually hope that that means that the coverage is even a little bit more streamlined. I know with the XFL, there were some, you know, random guys who took it on themselves to be XFL beat reporters, but they, they really didn't even have any access. They were just like at home trying to look up stuff and then, you know, serve as the de facto reporter. So maybe with everyone in the same location, we'll actually get 
a beat. Like it feels like you could, a newspaper could hire someone to do the USFL beat and cover like all eight teams, even if possible. So I'm hoping we get more content, more information than we even did with the XFL. So two things. First of all, New Orleans Breakers, I have to say, based on the branding, based on the iconography they're using, which is a lot of wave-based stuff, which maybe feels a little bit untoward given the New Orleans tie-in. But I will say overall, though, New Orleans Breakers, I'm going to pitch to you, Pete. I think that should be our official team based on the Splash Play branding, based on their branding. It kind of feels like a natural marriage. Okay. Um, don't you also feel like the Houston Gamblers is a, is a natural marriage for us? I, I do like the gamblers. We do like gambling on the show. It's people who've been in Pete's Deposit Kingdom Discord tailing me on first half college oh, here basketball. here we go. Tell you, <laughs> I do enjoy gambling here and there, but I do think the breakers, like in terms of if we were to put together a team or even just build the uniforms on like Madden making a custom team, this feels like the Splash Play team. I do like these uniforms. They're very clean and simple. I like kind of the, the little wave motif on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not opposed, but I also wouldn't mind allowing it to come to us more organically instead of you just bullying me into fandom here on day one of our USFL coverage. I do know Kevin Sumlin, who is the the gamblers head coach, of course, coming with an offensive pedigree from college football, supposedly says they're going to be slinging the ball around. And that was, as Pete mentioned, the Houston Roughnecks were the XFL team. That was the most fantasy friendly PJ Walker, where that's where my affinity for him grew. And a lot of people out out there really, you know, had their first exposure to PJ Walker uh, besides some highlights from Temple and his run there. Um, That was the XFL. Him and Cam Robinson were stars that won people a lot of money the first three weeks. So I'm willing to keep it open, Pete, but I just feel like you know if we're going to get behind somebody get behind the eighth seed or the eighth team in the, in the draft pool like they also get to snake it so they're going to get the the eighth pick and then the ninth pick like i feel like there's all both a, a game theory logic as well as just branding logic for us that seems too hard for me to overcome all right well i am going to i'm not going to lock myself into anything now if you know spags <laughs> wants to you know uh handcuff himself to breakers fandom you know knock yourself out but I, i'm fluid i got to keep my head on a swivel i also have here and I haven't debuted it yet. I'm waiting for the perfect time. I already have my USFL merch and oh. it's Rob Lowe NFL style hyper generic <sighs> USFL merch. So maybe I'll let you root for laundry while I just root for the overall success of the league. You root for the growth of football. That's really <laughs> that's that that's what it is. Yeah, I mean that's what someone on Twitter had said to me uh, about USFL that they thought uh, I was cheating on on the XFL and uh no I think I think there's room for people like me who just love the game of football we spend every waking hour watching all 22 film talking about coaching hires I mean it's just in our blood spags it doesn't really matter what branding it has that's true that is what this show has become it's just us talking about football non-stop no matter how much Pete doesn't want to talk about it Lord knows we are going to talk about it the one thing I will say that I think is actually to your point of it feeling a bit like a, a carpet bagger approach like XFL newsroom is one of those sites that I was following during the XFL days and was you know doing the best they could to be that equivalent of a beat reporter or a wire service of the XFL you know what they're reporting on nonstop now the USFL Pete which I feel like a slap in the face to all the XFL fans out there okay question for you Mm. how many um without looking at anything up right now how many USFL head coaches can you name and I will say before you answer if you can name more than two I will let the breakers be the official team of splash play I mean I know I've got Kevin Sumlin as the Houston Gamblers head coach so that's one Jeff Fisher is the Michigan Panthers head coach that's two Fucking what's his face? Mike Riley is one of the coaches, I think, but I don't know of which team. So does that count? I've I'm impressed you knew. Uh, if you 
I, I will give it to you. Yeah. Cause Mike Riley is the coach of the generals. There's one other kind of obvious, more well-known name that uh, I wasn't sure if you'd know Todd Haley is the coach of the bandits. That's right. Todd Haley. That is one. Yeah. So no, I, Todd Haley is one I probably should have known, but yeah, those, those three Willis, our accountant saying account. So I guess welcome new Orleans breakers, the official USFL team, a splash play a round of applause for everyone. I, who knew it'd be president's day. People are taking the day off and here we are crowning our favorite USFL team. Yeah. Um, you know, I went from four minutes ago saying I wasn't going to let you, uh, back me into it. And then, you know, you, you knew your stuff. So yes, uh, I will, I will give in the breakers are our team. Who's the breakers head coach? Not we. <laughs> yeah, that, that. That's the one we should probably know. Let me see here. Uh, I just had this article. Oh, Larry Fedora, uh, former UNC head coach. Yes, you're right. Larry Fedora, the man named after an old timey hat. Um, what a, what a pick. Let's do it. His children, uh, Dylan Fedora, Sydney Fedora, Haley Fedora, and Peyton Fedora, all coming courtesy of his spouse, Christy Wood, it seems. So we are proud members, not only the Breakers, but really the Fedora family writ large. Yeah, uh, Willis is correct. I should have made it that you need to know the Breakers head coach. Um, I messed that up. Also, it's so disappointing that you Google Larry Fedora. There's not one photo of him wearing a fedora. Like, how has he not not done that for the bid equity? Hey, welcome to the family, Larry Fedora. He should. He honestly should wear a fedora every time he's on the sideline. I, I can't believe Spags hasn't talked about you know his photo with his uh, his partner here. Oh, wow. uh, also, he's shredded. Is that him? Yeah, Larry Fedora. Okay, with the right, you got the sexiest head coach in the USFL, I'd say. I it's well, you know what I would say? More like Larry Visor, guys, because that's <laughs> all this guy wears. <laughs> Fucking Larry Visor. Well, we're rooting for Larry Visor now with the New Orleans Breakers. He was hoping they get some of the good players out of the 500 player pool in the USFL, Pete. Let's do it. All right, so the USFL draft to get to the point here, modified snake draft format, which is going to be kind of weird. There's a day one. There's a day two. Uh, round one is going to be the quarterbacks, uh, then the edge rushers and defensive ends, offensive tackles in rounds five to seven, cornerbacks in rounds eight through 11, and then back to quarterbacks in round 12. So quarterbacks get their time in the spotlight twice on day one. And day two opens up with the wide receivers, uh, then goes to the uh, safeties in rounds 18 to 19, center in round 20, inside linebacker round 21, and guards round 22, 23. Uh, Pete has unofficial USFL advisors in addition to both, uh, you know, these adopted children of Larry Fedora. I would say that for us, I would like to see the fantasy friendly positions like make that the main event, like make that the live stream where you do four hours or even put it on Fox or NBC. Like uh, we would tune in a heartbeat, even if we knew like five out of the you know 100 players ended up getting drafted. Yeah, no, there it, it goes a long way too. Like you got to bring people along to get invested in it. And ESPN or whoever, or sorry, who's who's a uh, Who's carrying this draft Fox coverage? Is it Fox? Yeah, yeah, the two big, yeah. Like they should be prepping those um, basically like 20 to 30 second little backstory clips about all of the top picks, you know, where they played, where they went to college, a couple highlights, um, what they've been doing in the past couple years, like get us emotionally invested in all of these players. So uh, I hope Fox is hard at work on the the necessary story building for a league like this to succeed. They just keep, from what I can tell from the USFL strategy, it seems to be like, let's just keep putting news items on the herd and speak for yourself. And then just like, that's the whole approach, which, you know, I, I enjoy seeing Colin Coward read the names of coaches alongside his very attractive host, who I I'd never remember the name of. But I feel like besides that, it's just like, they're not doing the stuntiness that I want to see. Like, they could really make this a big opportunity of, like you're saying, telling these stories, maybe not full NFL draft, like, oh, this guy was homeless, this guy's dad died. Like, like that's a little bit too much of a bummer. But make it fun. Give us a reason to care 
care about these guys besides when uh, one of the teams just happened to look like your podcast branding, which is really the main audience they're hitting right now. Yeah, and I feel like the XFL was kind of on the right track with that. And, you know, XFL kind of has the history of being the, you know, irreverent, you know, bad boy league, but have some fun with it. Um, You know, the XFL having access to kind of the locker room speeches at halftime and stuff I thought was a fun wrinkle. So, yeah, anything that they can do to kind of play into um, more access, you know, the, the social media stuff, I think will, will go a long way in making the league seem cool because just right off the gate, USFL doesn't quite have the quote unquote cool branding that the XFL does. When you hear XFL, it feels a little edgy. USFL feels just stiffer when you hear it. So I, I think they need to uh, do some work to convince everyone, convince non-gamblers that this is going to be very fun. And Chicago Spartan pointing out it is, in fact, Joey Taylor I was thinking of. I didn't want to get the name wrong because that's almost as bad as not knowing in the first place. So I feel good about that one. Though, Joey Taylor, Pete, you want to talk about some Instagram profiles we can dig into? Uh, Joey Taylor's is one. Um, we'll save that for the uh, Patreon version of this show where Spags just takes you through a tour of everything he likes on Instagram, all the smut. It's just my, my internet searching. It's like good bets for the day and thick bro- broadcast personalities. <laughs> you have very flattering Instagram photos. I don't even, I don't even want to know what you search for on Instagram. <laughs> and Eric Johnson saying, I missed DFS content. And hello, Eric. We appreciate you being here. Um, historical Anomaly, Sue pointing out, I did see our guy, uh, well, I guess our, our shared guy who I haven't talked to in years. So he's really not my guy anymore, but I'm going to keep claiming as my guy. Drew Austin was firing some salvos at the NFL's way going, forget these dinosaur leagues, fan control football. I have to say fan control football's announcements, Pete, are not finding their way into my, my ecosystem quite as much as the USFL has. Yeah, no, I, it is cool. I ended up um, with the the Knights of DGen that you were on uh, a whitelist to be able to mint some of those fan-controlled NFTs. So I grabbed a couple of those and I'm excited to see how it works. It's, um, you know, I think there is a ton of potential for that stuff as far as, you know, letting people be more a part of it. And I know even Jack Settleman was doing some stuff with one of the teams last year with the, you know, the fans controlling the plays and all of that stuff. So it feels a a little messy, a little pie in the sky for actually executing it in a, in a, you know, a logical way, but I'm excited to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see, look, we're, we're very open. Our, we've been very clear about our free agency to any leagues out there that want to get a moderately enjoyed podcast about fantasy football. We're there for it all. Uh, but I do think USFL, to me, feels like it's got a little more of a pedigree and also a little more of a tie to the league. But I'm curious to see what Fan Control Football pulls out. And if and if there's any way for me to write Pete's coattails on the NFT train for Fan Control Football, too, happy to do that as much as we can. And then the one last news item, Pete, before we dig into the NFL Super Bowl odds for next year that we're going to draft in the way that we do on this show going to pick our favorite super bowl bets for 2023 but the nfl xfl announced the partnership pete where they're going to be doing the xfl will basically be an experimentation lab for nfl rules and equipment and uh, not officially going to be sharing talent in any way so that's a pipe dream that a lot of people have talked about maybe it's something where the xfl is playing coy for now but they'll get access to practice squad guys or something for their league but overall just the nfl xfl feels like a pretty big get for uh, the new xfl which is headed by the rock and his ex-wife who manages all his, bin- his business empire which a uh, real thorny one that would seem to <laughs> trust that one but they're doing well for themselves pete and i feel like the xfl and nfl working together probably a good sign for another another wannabe spring football league which maybe gives us the the chance to three potential spring football leagues coming up next year yeah i i do feel i mean i know there were things outside of their control at least with money and stuff but taking you know what will end up being three years off essentially is just such a tough blow especially if 
uh, the USFL really knocks this out of the park. Um, and they kind of get a foothold on this because then, you know, we're headed toward a spring where again, I don't think people will necessarily complain, but I think everyone would agree. We'd all want one really good spring NFL or football product as opposed to two kind of watered down Mm -hmm. versions. So I don't know. I'm curious to see how it works as far as, you know, competing with the USFL, obviously having the NFL's backing should give it more, you know, of a spotlight, give it more resources, but yeah, that first mover advantage is pretty big. And, uh, I think they'll be watching the USFL closely to see, um, kind of how much they need to step up their game. Yeah, and it feels like the reboot of the XFL is kind of paying the price of the original XFL's success before the pandemic kind of knocked everything out of the out of the way on there. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see what the USFL does. They're getting the first shot at these eyeballs. Fan control football, too, if they could put it together. Uh, you get a chance to get a little bit of a, a head start on an XFL. It's probably going to have a lot of star power based on The Rock and his involvement. What's going into that? Uh, also, one chat here from Chicago Spartan again saying the all-day marketplace opens tomorrow. Pete, I did get an all-day pack on uh, on Friday. Paid my $270, whatever it was, that I was really reluctant to pay on the show. And then Pete said, no, it's going to be worth it. And I got it. Um, I'll tell you, actually, Pete, guess for yourself. Scale of 1 to 10, how happy am I with my my marketplace pack, or not my marketplace purchase, my pack purchase of NFL all day? Uh, which, sorry, which one you got? Did you get the Super Bowl pack? I got the Super Bowl. Yeah. I got my, my rare one as well. Uh, I got a one out of a uh, 1200. Um, and yeah, this was the $259 pack. I also got one of these, um, based on uh sentiment that I saw, it seemed like a lot of people were disappointed with the quality of the pack. So I will say on a scale of one to 10, 10 being euphoric, one being I'm never going back to this product ever again, I will say your sentiment level is a four on this pack. So here, my my sentiment level one to 10 is two Cyril Graysons is is my sentiment level because I did in fact get myself two of that man on one at number 212 out of 10,000. So I'm sure going to be really valuable to the Cyril Grayson collectors. Uh, The second one I got, Pete, of Cyril Grayson, 8,900 out of 10,000. But do you want to guess who my rare moment was? And it is a player that you uh, grew to fall in love with over the course of this season. I grew to fell in love with um, maybe Sony Michelle. He's a guy that you like the archetype a lot now and have talked about wanting to get this guy in, in next year's best ball drafts. Okay. And wait, is it a player that played in the Super Bowl? It is not a player that played in the Super Bowl. It oh. is a player that was about as far from the Super Bowl as could possibly be. Um, uh, Elijah Moore? Close. A rookie receiver. Different team. Okay. Amon Ross St. Brown? There you go. Amon Ross okay. St. Brown. I'm the proud owner of a number 507 out of 1199 of Amon Ross St. Brown on NFL all day. Yeah. I mean, those, uh, the thing is, is I have no idea what the, how these are going to be valued. You know, you can look to the, you know, traditional sports card market where it is, you know, the super young, uh, superstars, guys like Jamar chase, and then the young quarterbacks it's Mahomes Herbert, I believe was one of the hottest cards all off season, uh, in the physical card market. So I'm curious how much that carries over to NFL all day. And, um, I'll give a quick shout out to, uh, the guys over at own the moment because they do a really good job, um, looking at, kind of expected value of these packs, these, uh, the valuations and stuff. And so they said they're all ready for 
um, to process the data when the marketplace opens. And I believe this is just a dummy stuff, but you can see here, it'll, they'll have, you know, low ask, how much it's moving over a 24 hour, what kind of volume, um, how much the different sets are going for. So, uh, I'll be keeping a close tab on that. I haven't opened my pack yet. I'm going to open mine tomorrow on club top shot, but it still seems like they're figuring out, um, kind of how to do those packs. And I know some people who don't read the fine print, they think, Hey, I'm getting all Super Bowl moments in these Super Bowl packs. Not necessarily the case. So I still think similar to issues they've had with top shot and dapper in general communication site issues, um, lots of bugs to get fixed, but yeah, uh, should be fun once we get the marketplace open at least. And yeah, everybody can keep their eye appeal to the marketplace when it's up because I will be listing all of these in the hope <laughs> of earning a profit on this pack. I did get a Jalen Hurts twelve hundred out of ten thousand, and I got a Ryan Tannehill seven thousand out of eight thousand. So those are probably my biggest ticket items, I guess. Uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey is there's there a lot of buzz in the street about Lil Jordan Humphrey. Uh, yeah, uh, Spartan though talking that you know mentioning your Amon Ra that that will be his rookie debut, and so that will um, I would presume get a rookie debut badge eventually and i know those um were helped moments on top shot at least eventually when those were added also i had not heard anyone uh use the nads acronym for nfl all day because it is a little clunky to say all day nfl top shot and so i like nads i think i'm gonna roll with nads as my official way to talk about this new marketplace and our, our accountant Willis, of course, uh, you know, officially an employee of the show because we paid him this year. Uh, my rare was a DL in the Dolphins catch a TD pass. So another thing that Willis is doing for us in his job description, making me feel better about having a Monroe St. Brown because I like if you got that rare beat, I'd be pretty disappointed. Well, the other thing, too, that uh, I know caught some people off guard with their moments. I'm pulling up a tweet that I remember seeing from uh, Jesse, who goes by uh, Yodo on Twitter. He was super confused. He's like, why do I just have generic teams as my moments? But this is because one of the styles uh, that they're doing is a team melt you know, where it's a, you know, a compilation of plays from the team. So you just like, imagine, you know, you're, you're ready to pull your Jamar chase. And then you just see Detroit lions, generic Detroit lions. So yeah, it's a, everyone's going through a learning experience right now. Welcome. Welcome to Dapper guys. Is that Tim Boyle on the art? Uh, I believe it is. <laughs> Cause he was, I think he was number seven, right? Tim yeah. Let me, let's, uh, if I could spell, uh, no, he's seven. Yeah. So, so that, that was, it. was probably that was number seven. Oh, wait, no, Goff's, Goff's number one, right? That didn't look okay. like a one. All right. Yeah, you're um, right. I don't know who the hell that is. <laughs> <laughs> the punter throwing <laughs> the pass. Or they had yeah. somebody just like shooting a, a studio shoot of like for the same guy in every possible uniform that there was. Or, I mean, who is that? I Is that is that old Matthew Stafford? No, because he was number three. Okay. All right. Well. Fuck if I know. There is there is no Lions number seven, it looks like, on their official roster. If anybody knows, feel free to drop it in chat because I would certainly be curious to know who this mystery lion is. And I'll update, of course. You know, I'm not going to come in. I know, Pete, you have been are very early in the NFT scene and especially the NFT memorabilia and how it relates to sports and all that. For me, I come in with none of those biases where I've not made a single cent off of NFTs besides whatever I've made off of uh, NBA Top Shot. And I will approach this all-day thing with uh, completely unfiltered eyes, unlike Pete's, who's just big money, big dapper money is getting you left and right <laughs> i mean i am uh highly skeptical uh you know coming into things here so uh, yeah i'll be i'll be curious to see what the marketplace action is like when this opens up and are you ready I, okay. oh, go ahead i was just right. gonna say too i mean top shot is finally you know 
that with a bunch of the challenges stuff, they kind of, you know, reinvigorated the market um, with some excitement. And obviously we'll have a long way to go until they can start doing some NFL challenges, at least in a week by week way. So I think that will be fun. I mean, one thing that if you have been collecting on Top Shot and just kind of continually buying packs that normally when they release the challenges, you'll have, you know, three to four of the five or six moments needed to complete a challenge. And, you know, in the Deposit Kingdom Discord, a bunch of guys will swap and trade to help each other complete those. So I probably won't go dumping stuff right away unless the prices seem incredibly frothy, just with the idea being it might be nice to have a nice uh, base of moments for when the challenges do start to roll around. All right. Uh, I guess maybe I'll hold on then. I just don't want to end up in the spot like I ended up on NBA Top Shot where I now have a bunch of $4, $3 moments that I don't think like no, the people, the players' parents wouldn't want these NFT moments at this point, Pete, of guys like Isaac Okoro. And like it, it's it, my NBA Top Shot is like a mausoleum of mediocrity. Yeah. Well, you know, NBA Top Shot had its moment where the Bruno Fernandos were worth like $65 each. So who knows? Maybe the punters will have their day in the sun uh, on NFL all day. Oh, there we go. Jim in the chat and Willis working together. Apparently that was number three on the Lions and three is their punter, Jack Fox. So that is the illustrious name that you get on your Detroit Lions NFL all day packs. Yeah. Um, you know, as someone who makes thumbnails for YouTube and thumbnails are a very important part of getting people to click videos, get excited about things. Everyone knows about clickbait. You're going to need to up your game with the clickbait. I mean, we're going to need to get uh, a DeAndre Swift on there for the team Mel, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't know if Jack Fox is getting people to smash the open button uh, like they'd hope. Yeah, TJ Hawkinson, I'll even allow. But like once yeah. we get to the, the Tom, even Tom Kennedy, uh, my, not the Osmo CEO, but at the football player who played a few snaps, um, there was another like those guys, you know, you can't, you got to be at least wide receiver three or above, I think, to make the cut of a of a stock image. Uh, are you ready to do the sports book bets? Yeah. Over the DraftKings sports book. Do you need me to give you the link would be the other question. Um, Sure. I'll give you the link. Here's a link. Give an old Pete, the, God forbid Pete go to DraftKings himself. He's not in a legal sports book state. He doesn't even know how to navigate it. <laughs> yeah, well, the what happened, the reason I asked for a link is because every time I try to go to it, it makes me log in, and then it says you can't log in, and I'm like, I just need the landing page to actually look at the bets, relax. Yeah, we're just we're just trying to make content around DraftKings Sportsbook. But we are going to make content we shall make indeed because we are going to go and draft the team odds here uh, one by one. It'll help introduce you guys out there to some of the Super Bowl odds, expected Super Bowl winners for next year. But also, you know, kind of talk more about what we talk about a lot on the show, which is the concept of value in betting. And even though I do think the Chiefs and Bills, probably two teams, Pete, that we're going to take early on, that might not mean that they're actually the best bets to take, you know, number one overall, just because of the the juice you're getting on that. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because I do think if we were just saying our best bets, like if we could only make one bet, um, just looking at possible, you know, ROI and expected value, I probably am not picking the Chiefs or Bills. But if we're doing a draft, um, you know, it's almost like those kind of picks raise your floor for your portfolio. So I don't know if I would just be doing all plus 2000s and higher in a draft, even though in a vacuum maybe those offer the best. So I actually do think the draft adds an interesting wrinkle to GTO strategy for this. So actually that's an interesting question then. So like, how are we going to evaluate the success of this draft? Obviously it's going to be whoever has the winner, but like, is every pick assuming that we then put a hundred dollars on each pick? Like I like pick that. The draft? Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. Let's say it's a yeah, hundred dollar unit. And then it's whoever, you know, returns the most on their, um, what would it be? Are we, are we doing all 32 teams? 
Man, see, that's the tough part, though, because like there should be value of like if you draft like if you took the Lions at plus 15,000 and they make the NFC title game or something like not the most likely thing to happen unless Jack Fox also tries his hand at quarterback. But I do think like that's something that should be rewarded theoretically in this. Let's let's do a f- no, because then that's a different thing. Then we're doing conference championship odds. We're, we're doing Super Bowl futures. And, and I do think that should factor into it that you there are some of these teams that have the potential to make a deep run. But you know, do we actually think they could win the Super Bowl? I feel like that's a different conversation. What if we each do five teams and it is a hundred dollar unit bet and whoever's, you know, fake $500 returns the most, even though. So then we're not drafting every team then. Yeah. Well, I just feel like at some point, I mean, do we really need to be drafting the Chicago bears? Like they're, I mean, that's what necessarily means to the bears. (laughs) They have a shot. I mean, my thesis is that there's maybe at most like 10 interesting bets here. Hmm. I like the idea of, of drafted them all. Also, why do you have NFL draft odds on what's on that? I don't have that on mine. What are you talking team, about? This where is it says you... team futures 2022 draft team. Sorry. Where are you looking Um, up top underneath sports book, football odds, NFL odds. Yeah. You have 2022 draft. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. So, but you're not okay. That's actually very confusing. I'm in a legal sports book state. I can't make these bets. Like these bets are only available on like the bet online, the offshore books. You're in a not legal sports book state, but you have access to bets that you also can't place. Yeah. It says we're having trouble verifying your location, which is required to bet. So maybe they're just showing me. Um... Hmm. Yeah. I also don't have awards. Like I don't have 2022 draft or awards on mine in Pennsylvania. Wow. This is a, it's a mystery. I'll be sure to let my DraftKings rep know that something fishy is afoot. It's hell while, you know, yeah, while you're talking chat, about The chat's mad at me saying that the Bears would, I, I, I didn't know that there was such a, a demand for the Bears future market. You guys could draft the Bears. Well, I think Pete, I think the people want to see us draft every team and, and okay. have a stake in each team for the year. And I think that's, oh, okay. How about this? What if the round were a multiplier? So like if you took the Chiefs in round two it would be like taking us like a plus fifteen hundred bet. This seems really complicated, Spags. It does I feel like there's enough strategy in. Um, I, I do think it's your ROI, right? Because like, say, let's just say we went on opposite spectrums for strategy, and you went like Chiefs, Bills, Rams, or whatever. You're probably raising your floor, but if I were to hit. I mean, I'm going to have, I guess it's, it's a binary thing though, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is like, you either get the team that wins or you don't. Um, how about we, we, we add up our final, like if we get however many guys we get into the conference title game, like maybe it's something we just check back on and we see like what the value of our overall portfolio is based on the teams we have left. What if we do this? What if what we if just we, draft the bears every round? <laughs> what if we draft what we think, um, what if we draft together, Spags, not against each other, the best, trying to rank the best bets? And that factors in, obviously, the odds. I just like the idea of having a thing where we have like a portfolio that we go back to. Though, Admittedly, I didn't share this idea with Pete in advance, and in fact, it just came to me. Well, what if we change? <laughs> then what if we do conference winner? Because then you could actually have you know, two of us be right in that there was, what about this? We do conference winner. We each pick a conference and whoever has a higher ROI um, wins. 
We should have planned okay. this out ahead. So we we drafted. Yeah, we should have honestly. This, this could have been something we did like five shows off of. Actually, that we're burning it on one segment, yeah. which we argue. <laughs> Mike, this is what we're trying to figure out right now, man. This is what we're working through. <laughs> uh, all right, I think I think let's do the conference one. I think we're, we're living by the guideline of the SEO title that's on Football Outsiders and Pete's channel, which I think is fine. I think we draft our conference guys, and then we just you know keep tabs on them as we go, and you know maybe. If we trade them, I don't know, <laughs> like Pokemon cards. Yeah. Okay. So Will, Willis thinks we're on to something here. We each pick five from each conference. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this way, this way, it's a little less binary. But for the conference winner. Yes. So we're yes. picking 10 in total. Yes. Okay. I like it. All right, cool. All right. I'm on board now. So now, so now let's Pete set the table again. Now that we've figured out what we're actually doing. <laughs> Okay, so we are going to uh, we're going to do a draft, and we are going to alternate back and forth. So, say if Spags, I'll give you first pick for the AFC, and then I'll have uh, the second AFC pick, and then I'll have first NFC pick. You'll have that, and we'll just snake back and forth. Okay, I think all right. I think I got that. So yeah, um, and let's do it the way you said it, so we don't have to change anything here. Um, I guess I'll just take. See now, now this is where it falls apart because the value just seems to be in taking the Chiefs because I'll have access to the Chiefs and they are the number one overall favorite uh, to win it all. So I'll take the Chiefs at plus four hundred with the number one pick. Okay, Spags is taking Chiefs plus four hundred, and then I have the second pick. So yes, I will. I will match you here, and I'll take Bills plus four hundred. I do think it gets far more interesting after those top two pick so um mm-hmm. then i go first for af or uh nfc yep yeah so nfc i'm actually going to pass on the rams i don't i don't mm-hmm. like them i don't feel like they are as strong of a team you know relative to the conference as the chiefs and the bills are so i will take the niners at plus 600 Interesting. You're taking the night. You are back in your your Niners. All of our back on my bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Niners plus six hundred. I think. I think there's a lot of things that could go poorly for the Rams, but now I think relative to you passing on the Rams, I feel like they're undervalued for this spot. So I have to take the Rams plus four fifty. Okay. Because it just takes another Cooper Cup year of being Cooper Cup and what he did this year. Which wow, Spags now on. Cooper Cup, the MVP of the league. <laughs> what a fish. All right. I, I mean, I wouldn't take him as the MVP bet. I don't think so. Now it's right. back to me. I get to pick. Wait, or is it? Pick. Or do I get another AFC team? You do. We're going but after I go because we alternate. You just got the first pick in the AFC. Next time we come back, you'll get first pick in the NFC. Yeah, but you already got your, but you already picked, you've picked two NFC teams already. I so think, it should be you get you took you took one AFC one NFC I right, take one NFC flipped. one AFC you got first pick in the AFC the first time I got first pick in the NFC the first time and now it's gonna flip I get first pick in the AFC you get first pick in the NFC I don't think this works but I'll do it yes I'll it do does it. you got to pick Chiefs um, all right I'm gonna take the what I think is truly my favorite bet on the board uh, both for Super Bowl futures um, and also in the conference I'm taking the Chargers at plus twelve hundred. Wow. All right. But then do you pick another NFC team here? 
no, now you're doing AFC and then you get to pick first for the NFC. Trust me. Uh, our accountant even understands what's going on here. <laughs> All right. Um, we're snaking within the conferences themselves. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but you took the bills at some point. Didn't... All right. Whatever. Because I, I, I you took the Chiefs first. I get where you guys are going now. All right. All right. <laughs> now, now it makes sense. I needed to set the table one more time. Um, I got an AFC team then. Um, is Joe Burrow lucky or is he good? Wow. The age old question. <laughs> um, you know, all right, this is a long, no, this, I shouldn't take this team now. There's no reason to do that. Um, I will take a flyer on a healthier Lamar Jackson, uh, Harbaugh coming back and feeling good. Baltimore Ravens plus 1000 will be my pick. We have okay. really snubbed the Bengals now. I think we've really snubbed the listeners because everyone's confused. Everyone's heads hurts. No one even understands the premise of this show. We are in peak off-season form right now. But you do now have the first pick of this NFC leg. Off the board are the Niners and Rams. Okay, so because I can go back here, I'm shocked to see the Seahawks at plus 1,500. I don't like that. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go crazy here and take the Minnesota Vikings at plus 1600. I talked myself into with the black Friday thing earlier in the show. I think things are really looking up for the Vikings. So Vikings at you're, plus 1600. You're obsessed with the Vikings today, you know, winning the conference, the black Friday game. Like what, what's your uh, fixation with the Vikings? I just, you know, I feel like you were so mean to bears fans. So I have to prop up another NFC team. I, honestly, I should just lean in on the bears and be like, go bears, go <laughs> bear down everyone. <laughs> Um, all right, I'm going to take uh, kind of a mirror image a little bit of how I feel about my Chargers plus 1200 pick. I'm going to take the Cardinals at plus 1200, and I know there's obviously kind of a lot of risk there. I know that they don't have a ton of cap space, but I do, you know, really think similar to Justin Herbert with the Chargers, Kyler Murray, we saw what he can do when he's playing at an elite level. And I do think they're just kind of a few pieces away of everything really clicking and just being a team that can be explosive and rip off uh, a few playoff wins. So I, I like the Cardinals at plus 1200 there. What about when Colt McCoy is the starting quarterback? Cause Please. Kyler Murray goes to play baseball. Kyler Murray isn't going to play baseball. <laughs> he know he would be, kind of, he, he would be like a, a random news story for like a week. And then no one would care anymore. <laughs> Um, so does this mean now that you take another NFC team? When we come back, I have first pick in the NFC. <laughs> I it we were, alter it we're snaking. There's two drafts going on right now, an AFC and an NFC, and we are snaking within those. One of us got first pick in one conference. The other got the first pick in the other conference. Why the fuck is this so hard to understand, Spags? <laughs> just, I just thought that, that you were taking, you go and take another NFC team then, and then I go. Oh, God. <laughs> Okay. So I take an AFC team now. Yes. Okay. Sweet. All right. That's, it honestly feels like I'm doing this as a bit. I swear I'm just very confused. <laughs> it's also President's Day, Pete. Maybe there was a little bit of greenery that went on. Wait, you're smoking before the show? You both, you and Eric, everyone got stoned before the show except me. Why didn't I get the memo? I, I thought about like, oh, Pete, we should do this surprise weed show, but then I was like, I'm not going to, I don't know what Pete's doing. Surprise <laughs> weed show. <laughs> surprise. We're even more disorganized and out of it than normal. What a I surprise. Think it was more, I was prepared. Like I had a great segment sheet. We just didn't fully flush this one out. And then we got on the show and it really, 
<laughs> Thank you. This makes so much more sense because normally I feel like you're a very logical thinker. You, you know, plan things out, but I feel like I'm talking to a fucking child today. It was, it was hours ago. I thought I like, I thought I'd be good. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, all right. So I get an, an AFC pick. It's you. God, um, doing a convoluted draft with someone that's high is just like the last thing I want to be doing right now. God, I'm pissed. It's also because like, you know, like today is not an official work day. So I didn't do work to get into the mindset. So that's, God, at yeah. when, when edge sports start to, uh, to drug test their employees. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's, let's dig deep for this one. Josh McDaniels moves to Las Vegas, changes the culture. The Raiders now paying off at plus 2,500 for all the fervent fans at Allegiant Stadium. My God, what a deal. I'm taking the Raiders. Okay. Um, I am going to, I'm going to go um, deep, deep into the options here. I mean, we're talking bottom of the barrel. We're talking, trying to recapture what the Bengals did this year. And that is uh, a young quarterback who might've had a little bit of a rough first season. We're talking about a team with loads of cap space, tons of emerging talent. One of the most versatile Swiss army knives on its team in the entire league in LaVisca Chanel. We're taking the Jags at plus 6,000. Do you have to play the clip for that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like the thesis of it. Doug Peterson gets his redemption song. He gets a, a decently drafted team, you know, uh, with some value. Travis Etienne coming back. Uh, man, the backfields of Travis Etienne and LaVisca next year, Pete, you could talk yourselves into that one for some underdog stacks. Uh, I've already talked myself into it. Um, okay, now I, Spags, if you're following along, <laughs> we'll that. Is I, it have the, team? Yeah, okay. I have the first pick uh, in the NFC. So to catch people up uh, so far, I have taken Niners at plus 600, Cardinals at plus 1200. My stone co-host has taken the Rams at plus 450 and the Vikings at plus 1600. You also took the, the Bills at plus 400. I, I was recapping the NFC, Spags. God damn it. Jesus. Classic um, President's Day show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a butter knife. Thank you, David Berger. <laughs> Stop, David. Um, okay, for my pick of the NFC is going to be, man, the NFC is just such a weak division in general, and I just do not like the odds for the Packers and Cowboys at 600 and 650. Mm -hmm. That's just such a, a tough sell for me. I will... Is there a long shot I like here? God, I really don't. God, this division sucks. I guess I will take, I'll take the Seahawks at plus 1500. Just hope that um, they work things out with Russ. He, Carol decides to take a year sabbatical and Russ finally cooks. <laughs> okay. I like it. I, I think that's, I mean, look, you're asking a lot to happen though. Honestly, like seeing the Seahawks up there at plus 1500. <laughs> DFS Texas thing. I'm out of the family. Yeah, honestly, deservedly so. I think there's one of those odds where, like, for Seattle, I just don't get why they're that high. Like, what could you possibly make as a case for why they'd be plus 1500? Seattle, because Russell Wilson is still a what top six, top seven quarterback in the is league. Carroll, a top five, top six coach at this point. I think now I say that as a USC proud alum here, but quarterbacking matters way more than coaching. And we've seen them flip the switch. They've had those periods of five to six weeks to start the season. Um, 
last year when Russ was cooking and their offense looked incredible. They still have two of the best, you know, wide receivers. I, I would say they're a top, what, three or four wide receiver duo in the league in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, their run game can always get going. So I, I still feel like they have the potential, even though they've been massively frustrating. Yeah. I mean, look, I get it. I just don't think they should be the seventh overall or seventh highest odds team to do that, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Willis it is saying, here nor there. It's literally the entire premise of this. This it's, is what it's neither here nor there. I'd say, <laughs> and I would say that neither here nor there as well will be that at this point, as Willis points out in the chat, I just have to take one of the Packers or Cowboys for, uh, just, I guess, the value I'm getting here. So I'm going to take a lenient on what we've talked about the last week or so. Aaron Rodgers coming back. I don't love the bet itself. Probably not one I would be dying to take at plus 600, but just on a chance, Pete, of making some money off of our NFC drafting, I'll take the Packers at plus 600. Okay. So we are now, we now have each made, um, let's see. We have each made three picks in each division. How, how much do you want to keep going? I think two more each. Another another couple rounds, bartender or budtender, even perhaps. Okay. Um, now it is back to me in the AFC with the first pick. Uh, off the board is Chiefs at plus four hundred, Bills at plus four hundred, Ravens at plus one thousand, Chargers at plus twelve hundred, Raiders at plus twenty five hundred, Jags at plus six thousand. Um, I will kind of do what you did with the Packers pick, and and I'll go ahead and just take the Bengals here at plus 650. Um, I think they will continue to beef up the offensive line uh, this offseason. And I think just getting there, improving it, going through that uh, as such a young team is going to help them in the playoffs next year, just from an experience standpoint. So uh, I still think the Bengals, even though I don't love those odds, seem like a little rich, um, but I think they definitely deserve to be in that mix and, and I will take them there. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a good point. Just getting another high probability team based on how we're playing this out. I think taking the Bengals there made them uh, probably the most sense. Um, I then get another team. Why are the Broncos plus eleven hundred? That would be a question I would have. That one we that was the one we talked about when we pulled these up a couple weeks ago. It's mm -hmm. still so bizarre that the Broncos have shorter odds than the Chargers. Just on uh, Rogers rumors that don't even seem to be that logical anymore yeah i don't get that i mean I, I still don't think like i definitely don't want to take that at plus 1100 it feels like it should be longer odds titans always there plus 1200 kind of interesting colts plus 1200 also kind of interesting but i will default to another year of growth for mac jones bill belichick doing what he does i'm gonna take the patriots at plus 1300 yeah that um that was gonna be my next bet for my final one after uh Bengals. i like that uh -huh. one a lot there we go. Now, now who, now who's the one who's too high to do a show for the internet? I don't start with me. Um, all right. You get first pick for the NFC. Are you going to take your, your sweet darling Cowboys? So, yeah, I mean, Willis does point out it would be logical to take the Cowboys here. Cause I could box out a good amount of the top part of the NFC's odds. Um, cause I would have the Rams then as well. But I think I'm actually going to go against type and just simply because as Pete talks about, we often walk around our neighborhood just to canvas people and get a, a read from the people. I couldn't do that without taking the Philadelphia Eagles here at wow, plus 1600. Homer. Jalen Hurts taking a jump here and they run the ball 750 times to get themselves to an, a Super Bowl win. Um, yeah, that's, I can't believe, I thought you were going to make me pay as Willis pointed out when I realized that I let you snake get both of those. 
um, but you're too high to to make me pay. So I will take the Cowboys at uh, plus 650 now, uh, Spags. You know what? It's just the Cowboys. We all know as, as fans of the Cowboys or people that have watched them and maybe uh, felt negatively about them over the years, that they're going to find a way to blow this somehow, Pete. And what a way to blow it then to blow it to the plus 1600 Eagles. All right. It is the final pick for each of us in these conferences. You now have the final uh, or second to last AFC pick. You get to go first. All right. I just don't think this is tough. It's tough to pick against a team that was the number one overall seed, given that they have the same odds as this team. But the Colts at plus 1,200, I think they're a better coach team. I think they have some flexibility to make a move with Carson Wentz or not make a move. As we talked about with Michael Pittman last week, I think that there's another year of this team kind of coming together on offense. Jonathan Taylor continuing to get better. I think the Colts plus 1,200 is the best bet left on the board that has decent odds. Um, I am crowdsourcing from the chat. I'm going to let them help me pick my final one. I am torn between the Dolphins at plus 2,500 and the Browns at plus 1,600. I will take majority consensus, just write Browns or Dolphins uh, based on what you guys would like to see. Um, I think both of those teams um, have some stuff going for them. Uh, Dolphins at plus 2,500 just being, you know, plus 900 more than the Browns is kind of intriguing. Uh, but uh, I do think the Browns as well. I mean, the Browns were, I think, the team I picked as a Super Bowl future last year uh, when we started doing this show in the offseason that I liked uh, as well. Let's see. I see one Browns, one Dolphins, two Browns, two Dolphins. GA, no. I mean, <laughs> no. Uh, you have the Jets at plus 8,000. That's a big payday, Pete. It looks like Dolphins are taking the lead right now. Does anyone else want to toss in a vote here as far as Dolphins versus Browns? I will be happy to go uh, fins up. I think you have to take the Dolphins at this point, given your historical connection to the franchise. Mike McDaniel uh, coming in as well. Those are all positives. Whereas the Browns, yeah. the Browns have done nothing positive thus far. <laughs> all right. Yo mama seals it. We're going with the Dolphins here. Fins up, baby. Plus 2,500. Right. There you go. Dolphins plus 2,500. Have we now drafted five each for each conference? Or AFC, not for NFC specs. Okay, so okay, so you have one more NFC to do. Yes. yes. Okay. Um. All right, man. The NFC is so gross, but um. Uh, let's see here. My fifth pick for the NFC. I guess I'll just take the. Uh, I'll take the Bucks at plus eleven hundred. Who knows? Tom Brady has a change of heart. Gronk <laughs> tells him how much fun he's having partying in South beach and they decide to stay there and do it one more year. I don't know. Or they decide to go to the dolphins then. And that also enhances <laughs> that. Effect. Yeah. Wills is probably right. Panthers probably the, uh, the better pick there. Hmm. I or, hate my pick you know, of the bucks. I, hate I mean, honestly, Willis is also right that I should have taken the Cowboys before I thought that was the fifth pick. <laughs> so that's another, you know, another error in strategy I've made during this one amidst a uh, one or two, I suppose we could say, um, I will take, what are the Saints going to do? Why are the Saints plus 1,600? That feels like something. Um, I'm going to take the Saints at plus 1,600. I, I don't know why they're there, but I feel like the fact that I got them, the Eagles, and the Vikings, teams that are in the middle of the pack that maybe can make a rise upwards. It was either the Saints or the Commanders for me, Pete, at plus 2,500. Just people you know, maybe down on them after they did disappoint last year as a dark horse a Super Bowl candidate. But the Saints, bringing their defensive coordinator, promoting him, the defense was probably the only good spot or only reliable spot last year. So the Saints, to me, I think are probably the best pick. Yeah, and I, I think just in general, the NFC 
feels so much more wide open. You know, AFC is is top heavy. I mean, like Chief, Bills, and Bengals all going to be legit. You know, I feel like we haven't even seen the Ravens ceiling yet. Um, if they get you know, Lamar back at, you know, firing at all cylinders. So those top four, whereas like comparing it to the top four for the Rams, Niners, like Rams and Niners compared to Chiefs and Bills, like that's not in the conversation for the top two. Uh, I guess the Packers Cowboys tier is maybe more comparable to the Bengals Ravens tier, but I think just the Chiefs and the Bills at the top um, give the AFC uh, a little bit more certainty. We also didn't draft this team, but Giants at plus 4,000, I feel like bringing in a competent coach who um, could, has some of the similar weapons he had as an offensive coordinator in Buffalo. Uh, I think there's something interesting there. They've also hired a lot of women, Pete, which I don't know if you've, if you've seen the headlines on, but they've hired, like I think, three female coaches for the most in the league, and yeah, maybe there's some positive vibes for the Giants at the second lowest odds overall in the NFC. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah. Uh, so who is Willis? Are you going to be sure to, uh, to remind us, uh, conference championship? Do I need to make a Google? Uh, maybe I'll, I'll put it on my Google calendar and I will make a little thing and I'll put these picks in. Actually, no, Nick suggested something, uh, before we wrap up. And I agree to in this segment, we need spags to accurately recap the premise of this activity, including the order of the picks spags. You have the floor. So I did write down all the picks to be clear. Oh, just in case we them. I know that there is no chance I would have gotten that if we, if we didn't wow. <laughs> like there's no way. What just stoner me. takes notes. You're even a shitty stoner. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I'm half stepping as a uh, quote Mike on breaking bad. Uh, but no, we, we, we did draft the teams to, to give Nick what he wants here. We draft the teams in a snake order. The thing that confused me was the going conference to conference. Like I thought we were doing them both holistically. No, we were a, some of the parts kind of thing we we could have done it that way but once we established just some kind of you know framework for this we had to roll with it <laughs> uh, derek wanted me to say them without looking down no i've done enough for one show i would say except plugging here on the way out make sure you follow at splash play pod on twitter and instagram uh please please go follow them so you'll know whenever we're doing a show we put in so much love and thought into each and every one honestly pete i spent so much time researching usfl draft rules i didn't have time to do anything else yeah, it's tough. You know, we we forgot to research the main tentpole segment for the show today. It got distracted by USFL and visors and fedoras. Well, the good news is we could still do the Super Bowl futures draft on a separate day now. So we, oh God, rack it up these bits. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> but make sure to, to tail all of our Super Bowl or our conference championship picks. Make sure to come back on Friday. We're going back. It's an underdog where you can use the promo code SPLASH to get up to a $100 deposit match and play alongside of us in the 2022 big board where you can draft some rookies. You can also draft based upon your best uh, possible data that's out there. And a lot of debate I've been following. I feel like if you follow Eric Byam for and see him pop up, he's always debating somebody about <laughs> something on best ball. And honestly, it's always really interesting. I don't know if you saw him debating Hayden on uh, some yeah. of the data around drafting three qbs and all of that but we don't get to that level of micro strategy here on, on the overall but i feel like you know pete you and ship chasing as well doing a great job but i feel like there's a lot of people talk about best ball more than ever i feel like at least in my feeds yeah no i i we should yeah we should circle back to that conversation on friday uh what spags is referencing if you didn't see is hayden had an article out looking at how much uh QB threes added on specifically Josh Allen teams and Josh Allen had the highest win rate for quarterbacks. And mainly the thesis behind Hayden's article was, you know, normally the conventional wisdom is when you take a quarterback early that you only take two quarterbacks. And so he was looking specifically at an overperforming um, relative to ADP quarterback, how the QB two versions of those 
teams versus the QB three versions of those teams worked out. And so he had some interesting thing. And, um, it's always tough with that data too. what's popping in the aggregate versus, you know, the, the high end tail outcomes as well. And, you know, the debate comes down to is that extra sixth running back or ninth wide receiver more important than that third quarterback. And I, I do think it's a interesting conversation and maybe we can uh, dive into it a little bit more on Friday. And Eric in the chat asking best balls, a new DFS, you know, it, it is in some ways, I think Pete, and uh, you know, we can talk again, we're going to be talking about these all year long. Basically we're doing best ball drafts pretty much every week. I'm uh, moving forward, but like, I think that in the respect of, you know, DFS, if you went five years ago and you just knew that NBA players would be playing certain rotations or you knew to stack your QB up with at least wide one wide receiver, and then maybe do a run back uh, from the opposing team with it. Like you would made a lot of money. And I think that's sort of where to me and Pete, you might feel differently as somebody who's been doing this and really digging in deeper with sharp players for a longer period of time. I think that's where best ball is right now. It's people trying to figure out what the edges are, maybe overthinking the edges a little bit too much, like the equivalent would be overstacking um, an NFL weekly DFS. But I think that to me is where the best ball industry feels like people getting more comfortable with having a company hold their money for an extended period of time. But I think it's just like, it's not fully sharpened up. And I think just frankly, Pete, the amount of people we've seen win big money over the last year, including people who are just watchers of this show, I feel like, it tells me that it's not been figured out. And I think that's sort of what the next two to three years of best ball is, is people trying to optimize as best they can. Yeah, no, it's interesting because there is still so, such limited data for this stuff. So, I mean, it's easy to say really small sample size and a few outliers can kind of skew the data for a single position as well. Even I know uh, Sean Siegel over on Rotoviz had done a lot of best ball work and a lot of uh, years, the 101 has had a really bad win rate just because the 101 had randomly been getting hurt a lot. So it's funny how that's like, you would never say, I don't want the 101, even though within a small sample size uh, in a few years, you wouldn't have wanted it. So yeah, I think it is still this kind of fertile ground for this data analysis. And it's, feels less solved than than some of these other games where kind of the optimal strategy becomes clear after there's so many so much data. I mean when we're playing showdown slates or you know main slates, we just have so many of them that we have a lot of data that can point to the best way to do it whereas best ball it's still the wild west. Yeah, so we're going to be talking a lot about that. We're also going to be bringing some experts on this offseason, so make sure to hang out with us. If you if you put up with this show, you better be here every week because this is probably a nader <laughs> what we're doing the offseason content-wise. But we appreciate you for being here. Make sure to follow at Chris Spags, follow at Peter Overzet, and follow at Splash Play Pod. And Pete, what's your show schedule coming up? Uh, Club Top Shot tomorrow night. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, Open Sea. Had There was a big kind of fishing a uh, hack that went on that <laughs> sent uh, a lot of people into panic. So we'll talk about that. And uh, also, yeah, opening the NFL all day pack. I've been sitting on mine. So if you want to see me get disappointed when I pull uh, Detroit Lions team melts with punters on the cover, you can tune in uh, tomorrow night for that. Yeah, make sure to check me out on the NFL All Day Marketplace. If you want to pay an exorbitant price for an Amon Ross St. Brown rare moment, I'll be your guy on there. So please go check that out and come back on Friday. We'll be back on the underdog streets doing the 2022 big board. So we appreciate you guys for hanging out. Enjoy your weeks. See you soon. 